comments about the resurrection, because this is uh, the day he arose, or the day we celebrate that he arose. And um, the whole idea really is retrospect, and, and, and it's that whole idea of looking back. And, and really, by looking back, for some of you, you're looking back at a time in which you gave your life to him. For some of you that may be here today, maybe you've never made that decision to follow him. And so really, there are two types of stories here today. Now think of this. Your story, <clears throat> if you know Jesus, your story was Adam and Eve's story. You were hiding in the garden, making excuses for your sin, unable to cover your shame. Or, here's a second story. Your story is Adam and Eve's story. You are hiding in the garden, garden, making excuses for your sin, unable to cover your shame. Or maybe your story was Jonah's story. You were running from God, running away from what you were created for, surrounded by a raging sea and the uncertainty of life. Or, or maybe right now, that's where you find yourself. Maybe your story was the prodigal son's story. You were wasting your life, lost in your fears, or afraid to return home. Or maybe that's where you are today. Your story, maybe it was Peter's story. You're, you were unbelieving full of fear and doubt, while your faith was slowly sinking beneath the waves. And maybe that's where some of you are. But thanks to God and His provision, this does not have to be the end of your story. Could it be that you want to stop running? Could it be that you want to be found? You want to believe you're longing to be restored? Or possibly maybe you showed up here today and maybe your heart is crying out for help. Maybe this world is just totally overwhelming, the issues in your life, the circumstances you're dealing with. Listen, think about that last week of Jesus' life. Every bit of that, all those emotions. I mean, let's face it, he was not only God, he was a man also. And we know there was anguish in that last week. We go to the Garden of Gethsemane and we find that anguish. And we know there was a struggle. We know there was something going on in his own heart. Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe, maybe you just don't know what to do with your life. I want you to turn, if you have a Bible, to Colossians chapter 2. We're just going to look at a couple of verses there. But, but what I've just discussed leads us to another story. And it's his story. Think about it. God stepped into our broken world. Your broken world. In human form as Jesus, into our very lives, your very life. Listen to this. He stepped into our mess. He stepped into our sin, our failures, our fears, and our doubts. And some of you, you can identify with, with what's going on in your own heart. There is something there. He stepped in, listen, he stepped into death and the door shut behind him. And then he arose while leaving it all in the grave. Think of this. He wiped our story clean and started writing a new one. One without shame, one without guilt, one without fear, one without bondage. You, you see, that's what he's offering today. That, that's what this weekend celebration is all about. It started on what many call Good Friday and his death and then his burial. But then days later, he rose. He left those things in the grave he had victory over those things. Victory over your guilt. Victory over your shame. Victory over your sin. In Colossians chapter 2, I want you to look at verse 13. This is really probably my favorite verses as it relates to the resurrection. 
In Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Paul says, And you, being dead in your trespasses, you're dead in your sin. You were dead in what, what those things bring, the guilt and the shame. He, however, has made you alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements. You see, your life up to this point, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your life, there's a debt that you owe based on your life. And there's something that must be addressed. He says, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, he took care of your debt. That was against us. That means there were charges against us. It was our sin. It says, which was contrary to us. For some of you right now, maybe you're holding on to your sin. You're holding on to your guilt and shame. And, and really, you're sabotaging your life. You can't figure it out. There's so many things that's overwhelming. Guess what? The Bible says that those things that we're holding on to, that sin is hostile to us. It says, and he has taken it out of the way. And here it is, having nailed it to the cross. It's a picture of sacrifice. You see, you couldn't do a thing about your situation. And guess what? Today, if you're in that situation, you can't do a thing about it. You, you can't turn over a new leaf. You can't, you can't be dunked enough in baptism to, to clean it up. You can't attend enough church services to clean it up. You have no hope of cleaning it up, according to God's word. But he made a provision by nailing it to the cross. It's a picture of sacrifice. And in verse 15, here it is. Having disarmed principalities and powers... He made, pub, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphant over them in it. That means there was a death. There was a burial. But guess what? Days later, there was a resurrection. And it's all about the victory. Jesus' story, listen, is a story full of love and forgiveness. A story of redemption and restoration. A story of victory and triumph. Listen to this. It's our new life story. It's his story. It's a resurrection story. And if you don't know him today, it can be your story. Now think of this. Resurrection Sunday really is a celebration of John 3.16. I think many people would say, you know, that's my favorite verse. It's funny you bring that up because that's my favorite verse. I think it's everybody's favorite verse. Because it puts it all in a nutshell what the whole Bible is all about. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. You know who the world is referring to there? The people who make up the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. You know what it literally means? He offered up. He offered up his only begotten son. Can I tell you based on some of the early chapters of Revelation that that son was willing to be given up? It wasn't one that was taken there kicking and screaming. It was one who willingly laid his life down. And so it says his only begotten son, a son who was willing. And then it says this, that whosoever believes on him, he, he made all the provision. And then he turned the decision over to us. That whosoever believes on him, what? Should not perish, but have everlasting life. I want you to think about that. Belief. Whoever believes on him. There's a lot of things about what we believe. If I were to come to you and say, what do you believe? And I could probably name many subjects. You would say, well, I believe this about that subject. I believe this about that subject. But, but here's this whole idea of belief is, is much greater. It carries a greater weight when it comes to your salvation. And so therefore, if you have that outline of this sermon, I want you to look at something that, that, that I go over at least four times a year because I believe this is the hang-up for many people. 
And there you'll find the progression of belief. And I guarantee you, most of you in this room are somewhere in this progression. Here it is. Maybe you're a, you have an awareness of a supreme being. Maybe you showed up here today and it's Easter Sunday and you know maybe from your raising or whatever that you're supposed to show up on Easter at church. And maybe you made your way here this morning. And all of a sudden, maybe you're just sitting here today and you are aware of a supreme being. Someone had to create all this. Maybe you have that initial awareness of the gospel. Maybe it's something that was formed in your mind when you were a child. Maybe you have the awareness of the fundamentals of the gospel. Maybe you know the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Maybe maybe you've grasped the implications of the gospel. Maybe you understand that he said, that's for me. That provision is for me. Maybe you understand that. Maybe you have a positive attitude toward the gospel. Maybe it causes you to say, you mean he loved me that much? Yeah, the Bible says he did. For God so loved the world. And maybe that's where you are. But maybe there's something else going on. Maybe in light of those things about the gospel, maybe you're starting to become aware of a personal problem in your life. Maybe there's a recognition. And by the way, all of this is a progression of belief that saves. And here's what it means. If you have a personal problem, we know we all do. The Bible says, for all the sin comes short of the glory of God. I don't have to convince you that you're a sinner. You know it. The Bible says it. You've you've lived enough life to know it. But the Bible says because of that personal problem, that awareness comes from conviction. It's when the Holy Spirit shows up and says, hey, what are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that sin? And you acknowledge that you're a sinner. And all of a sudden you believe what the Bible says about you, that you are a sinner. And then you realize you have a debt that needs to be paid to the one that created you. And then here it is. Maybe from that experience, there's a decision to act. A decision to act. What does that look like? Well, there's confession. Confession means where two parties come together to agree upon something. And all of a sudden, you come before God and you agree that you are a sinner. That you stand in need of your sins being forgiven. And and then all of a sudden, it leads you to repentance. and, And you learn that you're going to turn away from that sin. You want to turn to Him because He created you. He has a life greater than anything you can ever imagine for yourself. And then there's that faith in Jesus Christ. You go back to that whole awareness of Jesus and his death and his burial and his resurrection. And all of a sudden that love that he has for you. And you begin to embrace it. Not in the form of belief, just belief itself. But that belief becomes faith. And then there's profession. You acknowledge it. You let people know about it. You, you begin to understand it in, in the right terms. And then there's lordship. You begin to give your life to him and more and more of your life to him. Then there's what we call salvation. But it all begins not with simple belief of, boy, the gospel's great. God's, he loves us. He gave, uh, it's, it, it must be followed by a decision to act. And then when there's that salvation, the Bible says we're a new creation. That means the, the old story is, is sealed up in the tomb. It went with him in the grave. It died. But then all of a sudden there's a new story. Just as a resurrection was the new story for Jesus, we have a new story. Our lives can be resurrected. And all of a sudden, we become that new creation. And the Bible says as a result of that, something miraculous happens in our life. The Holy Spirit begins to indwell us. And we begin to see God the way God's intended to be seen. 
And we understand that provision even more. And as a result of that, look on your outline, changes occur. Your behaviors change. Your attitude about things change. Your perspective changes. It doesn't mean you become a perfect person. I've made many mistakes after I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. But I'm here to tell you, those mistakes, I became fully aware of what was going on. Something needed to be done about it. And there was something that was happening. But all of a sudden these things began to change. And then I realized the importance of the word of God and prayer. And the role of the church in my life. The sharing of my story. And the fact that I needed to serve him. All these things started coming together. Y'all, when he said whosoever shall believe. He's not talking about a mental. Just a mental note about something. He's talking about a belief that literally changes the core of who we are. It's that great. In John chapter 11, Jesus is standing at the tomb of Lazarus. There's all kinds of weeping and wailing, the the loss of Lazarus. And all of a sudden, Jesus stands there and he says this, I am the resurrection and the life. I'm the embodiment of those things. He says, he who believes in me will live even though he dies. That's the promise he gives. John 14, 6, Jesus said this. We're not making this up. But Jesus said it himself. He said, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You know what he's saying there? He's saying the results of salvation is going to the Father. And guess what? There is no salvation. There is no Father in your life unless you come on his terms. John 3, 16, here it is. For God so loved the world, gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish. What does that mean? It means we have the potential, listen, to perish. Biblically, what does it mean to perish? It implies judgment, which leads to condemnation. The Bible calls it the great white throne judgment. And by the way, that great white throne judgment, if you show up there, the Bible says that is a sentencing trial. Basically, there is a sentencing to condemnation. Let me tell you about the resurrection. The resurrection is the greatest news ever for those who believe Jesus, who believe upon him. He's changed your life. But guess what? It is a terrible news for those who don't because it signifies that judgment is coming also and that there is a payment for that sin. And guess what? I stand here today knowing, listen, knowing that Jesus Christ paid my sin debt. He paid my sin debt. And so the question when you get there is this. There's two ways to escape judgment. Living a perfect life, basically standing on your own record. Listen, I in no way want to stand before my creator standing on my record. I don't. You know why? Because he requires perfection. And every one of you in this room would have to admit you're not perfect. But then there's a second way to escape this judgment. And it's belief and trusting in the one who did live the perfect life. And that's Jesus Christ. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes on him should not perish. But there's another way. But have everlasting life. I want to close with these things. Let me tell you what everlasting life consists of. Number one, it consists of a new place. The Bible says of Philippians 3, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus. Jesus told his disciples in that last week, John chapter 14, he says, Let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again, receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. But then, guess what? Everlasting life consists of a new body. Think about that. Some of you are not old enough to know this, but one day you're going to be glad that you don't have to carry this body into eternity. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, it says, He will transform our lowly bodies that it may be conformed to His glorious body according to the working by which He is even able to subdue all things to Himself. Everlasting life consists of a new fellowship. Revelation chapter 21 says this, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Think about that relationship. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them, listen, and be their God. You're talking about an intimacy you've never experienced before until then. But then there's a whole new reality. Everlasting life consists of a new reality. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Did, did I tell you before, he's, he's writing a new story. And at the end of time, there's a new story. Then he who sat on the throne said this, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, he told John, he said, write these things. Let me just tell you, you can count on these things. These things are true. And then in closing, here's the application of it all. Have you accepted the terms of salvation set forth by God the Father, provided by the Son through His death, burial, and resurrection, and introduced to you by the Holy Spirit? Have you come to Him? So this morning, really, here's what it's all about. Easter is a celebration. But let me just tell you something that we do around here every Sunday. We celebrate the resurrection every Sunday. When you come in here, you're probably going to hear a song about the resurrection every Sunday, not just this particular Sunday. And what's interesting about that is we understand the implications of the resurrection. Not fully. We, haven't, we aren't living there in that whole reality yet, but we understand that. So here's the question this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is the greatest news you'll ever hear in your whole life. That your sin, your guilt, your shame, the unforgiveness, uh, all those things, he can take care of those things. And the resurrection, listen, guarantees it, guarantees it. And that's what we're celebrating here today. So if you don't know him, I pray you'll know him. Would you stand to your feet and bow your heads, please, as we begin to close this service? We'll have an invitation. And I don't know what God's doing in your life. Only thing I know is this. If you don't know him this morning, you have the greatest need in this room. He wants, he's reaching out to you. And so, Father, we just ask you right now, if there's someone that doesn't know you today, that today will be the day they can come to know you. Right here when the world is, on this day, is looking in on what the resurrection's all about. Even the news is tuned in to the resurrection. Some are speaking well of it. Some are trying to discredit it. Some are saying it never happened. But, Lord, we're living proof, if we know him, that it did happen. Because, Lord, you did a new work in our life. And you're offering that new work to those that are here today that don't know you. And, Father, I pray that before they leave here today, they'll talk to myself or another pastor about coming to know you today. Father, have your way in this invitation. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Myself and another pastor be here at the front, the altars. I don't know what God's doing in your life, but we're here. If you don't know him, it would be a privilege to introduce him to you today. Would you do that? Would you sing with us this morning?